There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is an inspirational thought leadership platform that advances the conversation on living and working with passion, inspiration, and purpose. I'm committed to helping create a world where business and capitalism are a force for good, constantly working to address the immense number of problems society faces and serving all stakeholders, certainly its employees among them. The Gallup organization reports that 85% of the global workforce does not want to go to work on Monday or whenever the shift starts. Let's change that together and instead make work an enriching part of life that expresses meaningful contribution and helps us grow into our highest selves, all in service of the organization's purpose. Each week in these conversations, I hope you walk away with something that changes the way you think that you can immediately put to use. Much of the content we discuss on this program is a reflection of the work I do. So as you listen, if you catch a glimpse of anything I can do to help, go to my website at elisecortez.com and use the contact me feature to message me. Let's talk about what's going on for you and how I might be able to help, whether it's consulting on visioneering for a greater purpose among your stakeholders, the Finally Inspired Leadership Program, the online Catch Fire Learning Communities, or speaking for your company or conference. At any rate, I'm glad we're connected and Thanks for listening. Now, on to this week's program. With us today is Dr. Ellen Keithline-Byrne, an executive coach, social scientist, and leader who develops people to be mindful, courageous, and innovative so they can thrive in their roles. Ellen is a contributing author to Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and Mindful.org. She is a co-founder of Her New Standard, the playbook for women leaders, a leadership consultancy focused on developing women leaders. We'll be talking about why and how women can distinguish their contribution as leaders and learn some specific ways women can immediately apply to teach teaching the steps to, to their role as leaders. She joins us today from the New York City area. Dr. Keith Lineburn, welcome to Working on Purpose. So happy to be here, Elise. Thanks for asking. Isn't this fun? I'm telling you. Don't tell anybody how much fun we're having. I know. I'm, I'm really, <laughs> this is, yeah, I get to connect with another Fielding graduate. I'm thrilled to, to be talking to you tonight. Woohoo, Fielding, that's right. Um, well, to get us started here, you know, Ellen, that among my many of my other passions, I'm I'm an identity and re- meaning researcher, which of course started from my fielding journey. So let's talk about who you are. There's a lot to you. So if we were to share the key aspects of who you are to someone who doesn't know you at all, maybe you're walking into a cocktail party or whatever, what would you say? I love that question, and I try to work with my um, people that I work with on that question, and it's a hard one, Um, but what I like to say is, and you started with it already, that I'm an executive coach, social scientist, but I love to help people be happier, healthier, and more innovative so that they can thrive in their personal lives and careers. So recently, as you know, I've been spending a lot more time getting excited about advancing women leaders. So I've been diving into that kind of research and that kind of consulting and and coaching work. Yes, indeed. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show. So you told me when we first had our our conversation together that, that enabling women's leadership is an important contribution to make the world better and is your why. So now you've riveted yourself in that camp. Why? What's going on for that? 
Well, I guess since I was a little girl and a lot of a lot of young women have probably felt this way at some point in time, but there was a sense of of knowing that there's a need to have more uh, women influencers in this world. There needs to be some sort of energy behind the female force. And and when I think about it now as a, as a practitioner, as a scientist, I really start to see that our world is has been designed by men for men, um, and that's okay. But when we start to see the research saying that actually companies and organizations and communities and societies are more effective when there's diversity of thought at the top, then you can start to say, wow, there's actually science behind it. There's showing up that there's uh, profitability in organizations when you challenge the old status quo of, of doing things the old boy's way. So I'm really excited when you start to see the shift in dynamics uh, in our political system, in our, in our world, in our organizations. They're really taking it seriously. And, and I really think that the society is going to be better for it. I completely agree with that, and I do a lot of work myself developing leaders and speaking at women's conferences. So you and I are sisters in arms in many ways, as you know. Yeah, Absolutely. Now, for our listeners who don't know you the way that I do, Ellen, I want to make sure we present a lot about your background. So you are a very impressive businesswoman yourself. You've had decades of experience running and developing your business ventures. And I think that's important for our listeners to understand a bit about where you've come from and just what you've done. So will you briefly sketch your background for us? Sure. Well, I started uh, as an undergrad in finance because at the time I needed to pay for my way through college. And... I got a great job at Xerox selling technology and was making decent money and started to say, wow, I really like the people side of the business more than the technology side. So what can I do that would have more impact on that? And I started to start to think about this doctorate in psychology or organizational behavior. I started to investigate and apply And as life happens for a lot of people, women in particular, three kids later and a marriage and moving around a bunch, I had a master's in counseling instead because it kept me local. I wasn't traveling. I could stay within the community of where my children were. My husband was commuting a long distance. And so the choices that I made were wonderful at the time. Uh, I did it for a number of years. It gave me an opportunity to really dive into community work and change management, change society. I implemented this very cool prevention initiative that won an award in the Fairfield County, Connecticut area. And so I started to say, wow, I like looking at this big organizational shifts. Like, how can I look at societies, communities, organizations, and systems and make changes for the better. So as I was exploring that and happy with that role, I said, I'm itching to get back into the fast-paced world of the business world, of that high-functioning, energetic person that really wants more And so I started to go back, and that's when I started to look at the fielding graduate program, start to look at 
really leadership consulting, executive coaching. And so I shifted my social work work and really started to look at the big picture business. And that's how I ended up in a consulting practice and started Her New Standard with two phenomenal business partners, Karen Kirkner and Denise D'Agostino. They both have a very um, impressive backgrounds as leaders, as coaches, as consultants. And we, it was about two and a half years ago, we were on a call and we started to say, hey, listen, we really want to tackle this advancing women in leadership thing. We want to understand it. We want to dive into the research. We want to say what needs to happen and let's use our experience along with the research to really design something powerful. And we have. So that's where we are today. It sounds like a great gobs of fun to me, Alan. I'm, I'm in. I, I've done something similar in that I've created my own program, too. It's not just for women, but I but I do very much. You and I have a very similar sort of trajectory in that way, but I didn't do I didn't do the social work part of things or um, but 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 in very interesting, similar kinds of trajectory and journey. Isn't that fun? Yeah, it's amazing. That's great. Right. Um, okay. So now for our listeners are sitting there going, okay, so we're talking about women's leadership. That's interesting. I'll bet just a few of them are going, hold on just a second. How is women's leadership different from that of men? What would you say? Well, it's a great question. And we get that often. Uh, and when you start to dive into looking at the research and what women, especially the ones that we work with, say is that often, especially in male-dominated organizations, the way women develop their leadership identity in a male-dominated place is different than the way men develop their leadership identity. So we had to take a closer look at that process. And there's some very cool research that happened um, with Robin Ely at the helm. She's a Harvard Business School professor who runs gender initiatives. And she really found the, the link that women need to be pulled out of at certain stages within their development, pulled out of the dual, you know, sex community of learning to really single sex community where they can step out of their comfort zones in, in subtle ways and try things on that might feel uncomfortable that might be um, embarrassing um, because they might fail. And so they noticed that there was a lot more ability to be vulnerable in these places. So there was a lot more learning to go on. So that's why we developed the six-month intensive that allows these women to take these chances. Does that answer your question? Beautifully, just beautifully. But now the next question that we have to get into next is, and I've I've been curious about this myself, done some research, and do find myself having conversations with various women about this. So what in your experience and research explains why women do not pursue leadership roles? What stops them or holds them back, do you think? Well, it's so interesting because if you talk to very senior level leaders in mostly male-dominated organizations, they'll usually say there's, oh, we have the systems in place. We have all the things in place, and women are actually choosing to opt out. 
when it becomes family time or their caretaking responsibilities, they will opt out of, of moving up the ladder. Well, research is coming back saying, actually, that's not true. What's happening is that women are starting to not see, not starting, they don't see a path forward. They know they have this extra responsibility. They know that there might be some things in place. But in certain organizations, I can think of one bank in particular, they, uh, a very senior level person said, oh, yeah, we have flex time. Oh, yeah, we have parental leaves. Sure. But, oh, my goodness, you could never take it. It's a subtle cultural thing that's just, that's a, you would look at, you'd be looked at very negatively if you took that extra, you know, four months of maternity leave. Or if the father of the child said, you know, I'm going to take my four months of maternity leave. They would be, uh, it would be frowned upon. So it's the cultures that need to start to shift. Not, um, not the unconscious bias that's underlying all of this. Mm. Okay, so now let me thread in another question that just came in through the chat room from somebody named Lang. Thank you, Lang, for weighing in and, and posing this question. question is, do you find it easier for women to advance in the business today is the question. It sort of seems like it falls on the heels of what you were just talking about. It, well, uh, yes. Um, I think it easier than when, uh, you know, if you're thinking about easier than 20, 30 years ago, absolutely. I think there are more things in place. You starting to see a lot more happening at the senior level where they're taking that very seriously. There are, there's more attention. Um, fortunately in most businesses, they're realizing that because the research is saying, Hey, listen, the profits are actually much better. I'll give you one um, Credit Suisse Research Institute saying uh, it confirms the clear link that companies with a higher portion of women in decision-making roles continue to generate higher returns of equity while running more conservative balance sheets. So hmm. when you start to see research that's saying this, companies are saying, whoa, we better, we better take this seriously. So yes, I think, Lang, they are, uh, it is becoming easier. It's still not easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent response. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about in this segment here is is the idea, the confidence thing. So it seems to me in the work that I've done, Ellen, that, that women need to bolster their confidence in order to assume and develop their leadership roles uh, and, their, and their talents and their competencies. But men don't seem to struggle with this same issue the way that women do. What's your take on this? And, you know, that is an awesome question, Elise. The reality is, is that confidence is an issue that most people struggle with on some level. It really is. And most of the women that go through our program are very, very much eager to build their confidence. And then I'll see the eavesdropping of men or the men that are actually sending their women to our program. And they're saying, but I need that, too. Mm -hmm. You know, what about me? So I think what the reality that's happening is confidence is something that's that word is thrown around like it's something that you can just pick up at the grocery store or go to one class and miraculously two hours later have confidence. It's deep rooted into in our belief systems that really need to be uh, looked at because we all live with irrational beliefs about who we are. So I think that when we start to talk about confidence, um, 
women in particular in male-dominated organizations struggle with that profoundly, but it's still across the board, men and human beings have confidence issues. Mm, and that's a, that's a beautiful response and a very thoughtful response. And you're right. When I think about this, Ellen, I also work with many men. And, and now that I think about it, it doesn't come up as quickly as it does with women, but that you're right. They, they want to build and work on their confidence too. So nice way to take us into our first break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We're on the air with Dr. Ellen Keith Lineburn, an executive coach, social scientist, and leader who develops people to be mindful, courageous, and innovative so they can thrive in their roles. She is a co-founder of her new standard, the playbook for women leaders, a leadership consultancy focused on developing women leaders. She joins us today from New York city. We've been talking a bit about her own background and the perspective on women's leadership in the world. After the break, we're going to talk about their particular approach to developing women leaders. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thank you for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. And if you're just joining us, my guest is Dr. Ellen Keithline Byrne, an executive coach, social scientist, and leader who develops people to be mindful, courageous, and innovative so they can thrive in their roles. She is a contributing author to Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and Mindful.org. She is a co-founder of Her New Standard, the playbook for women leaders. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Let's pick up where we left off there. Um, I was talking about how here in this segment, we're going to talk about some of your your perspectives and approach to developing women, women's leaders. And I got a lot of this off your blog, which is beautiful, by the way. I just thought it was well done. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. You're very welcome. Um, so first, let's talk about a phenomenon you, you call the broken rung, um, where ev- for every 100 men promoted to their first level management, only 72 women get that same promotion. And by the way, there was also a, a recent article in the Wall Street Journal talking about this very thing that I caught. Um, but you also say in your blog post that uh, estimated that our current rate of change, it will take until the year 2085 for women to reach parity with men in leadership roles in the United States and 202 years before we're able to reach gender parity globally. Wow. Yeah, that's a big fat wow. Absolutely wow. Um, that is from a study um, of women in the workplace that just came out that McKinsey and Lean In did. And they looked at data over five years with 590 companies. And what they were able to identify is there's a lot more energy going on with the glass ceiling. So there's a there's more movement happening. Um, so it won't be quite as dire. But when they they took a look at really the lower levels that women are getting stuck 
at that early promotion stage. Mm -hmm. So they're not getting to that entry level um, manager role as fast as men are. And, And that is really holding them back. Then when you're trying to promote the more senior level women, they're not there. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what the, the article in the Wall Street Journal also talked about. And then here's where it gets interesting. I was just reflecting on that particular question and remembering uh, I'm working with a, a brilliant young woman now. She is uh, early in her leadership career, and she's just stunning. She's sought me out directly. She pays for, for my work directly out of her own pocket. The company doesn't do that because she's hungry to learn. And we were talking about how, in our last conversation, how there is a gentleman who's exactly her same age, the same set of experiences. Um, she, her performance reviews are stunning, and he's been promoted ahead of her. Mm. And and she's like, I I know I'm I've got more visibility. I know I'm contributing. I know I'm valuable, and you know, I, and so it's there. It's right there. And there may be other contributing factors, but there it is. Well, what what they what we're seeing is, and you've probably heard this before, but women are looked at by their experience and men are looked at by their potential. Mm. So when, and even women start to believe that to be true. So when they go to apply for um, positions, they'll think, oh, and you've heard this, I'm sure, if I don't have 100% of the job qualifications, oh, I'm yes. not going to apply. Yes, I've seen that a million and times. And so the yes. classic guy will say, oh, you know, this is this is such a stereotype that, you know, a man will be like, oh, I have 70%. Yeah, let me, let me go throw that in. But I do believe that um, women are looked at differently. And it's so unconscious that even the most um, progressive companies that are trying to put all the right things in place are struggling with this because these unconscious biases are needing to come out to be more conscious so people can talk about them. Mm-hmm. People can really point these discrepancies out so that things can start to change. Mm-hmm. That is such a really important point, Ellen. I want to I go ahead and um, bring that home for our listeners. Unconscious bias. It's we've, We're all governed by things that we're, we're not fully aware of. And you're right. It's the opportunity to bring them to our conscious level so then we can decide to what extent do these things work for us, need to be changed, or just eradicated entirely. So that is such an important point. So one of the things that this particular study um, talked about is that there's not at this lower level as many sponsorship um, opportunities for women. So they, there's, they're trying to, I know most of the companies I'm working with, they're trying to put mentoring programs in, sponsorship programs in, um, which is all very good and well, which happens more naturally for the male employee because the system is designed for men. Um, and so when they try to put in a more formal system of mentoring and, and um, sponsorship, it doesn't work quite as well as the informal process. So it's still, it's, it's hopefully going to start to progress a little bit more and be better. But at, it's hard to put a spot, oh, you're going to be my sponsor, is something that usually evolves over time and not something that just can be instituted and assigned Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that this report came out to talk about was, and I mentioned this, is women are judged by different standards. And so they're viewed um, in, in different ways that are just not as promising, all related to unconscious bias. 
And then the, the last is this leads to really too few qualified women moving up that pipeline. So those were the three top problems that they found with the, the so-called broken rung. Okay. For this next part here, I want to do two things, Ellen. One, um, in my radio show, I always want to be able to give our listeners something that they can immediately put to use and make a difference in their lives. And two, I want to empower individuals as well as leaders and organizations to make a difference in their own lives. And so one of the things I liked about uh, an article I saw on your blog was how we can create our leadership brand, which is one of the ways you offer women can address that actual broken wrong phenomenon and, and the promotion problem. So could you, for our listeners, articulate the high points of that approach? Absolutely, yes. This is one of my most favorite things. And what we talk about is is it's really identify, identifying um, where you have your unique voice. Where are you within your organization um, have some unique value that is really special to you. So how we do that is we help our people. And so listeners, I would identify three major things. One is where are your strengths? What do you know that you do really well? You've heard it from other people. You've got it maybe in a 360 report. You've heard it from family members. You know that you do this really well. Second is what are you passionate about? What gets you up in the morning? What are you so excited about as it relates to your work? So purpose and passion and strengths. Then the third thing is look within your organization. Really dive into your organization on what are their goals and um, objectives as it relates to what you can offer them. So where is the secret sauce that you can add value for your organization? And when you can start to see how your skills and passion relate to your business, then when you're sitting at that table, at that conference room, in um, a meeting one-on-one with a senior person, you know that you're there, that you have a reason to be there, you've been invited to the table, and so you have a voice. So you're able to better articulate who you are and what you stand for. Mm, I think that's stunning, and it's so simple, but it's brilliant. So I wanted to start with that. Now, the second thing you talk about, which I think is also very, very important, another way that women can address that broken rung and the lack of promotion problem is to develop strategic thinking. Mm-hmm. So I think that is just critical to be able to have business acumen, to be able to talk about the financial numbers and to think strategically and to be able to articulate that thinking is important. But first, for our listeners, what do you mean by strategic thinking? Well, um, strategic thinking is uh is one of the things that for some reason women seem to stand out as having difficulties with it. And I'll quote one study that is fascinating. Zenger and Folkman did a study in two, in 2012. They took, they looked at 360 degree reports of 7,200 leaders and they identified the top 16 competencies, 15 out of 16 of those competencies, women out achieved men 15 out of 16 Mm. the one that they didn't was um, developing strategic perspective 
And what we find is that as you progress, women tend to do really well in school systems, university level, entry level, all these skills of being hardworking, organized, collaborative, the go-to person, never says no, that kind of personality, those traits are phenomenal until you get to the middle level of leadership. So in the hierarchy at that middle level, it's, they get stuck because those same traits aren't the same traits that they need at the higher level. And what they need at the higher level is they need to stop doing and more analyzing and being more strategic. And let's look at, let's look at the big picture, the long-term strategy. Where are we going? And so often, and I can't tell you how many times, most, I would say the majority of our clients struggle with this. They're so good at taking on a project and delivering it. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard for them to delegate, to let them pass it on to the next person, to say no to something, um, and to not, to be able to take that step back and say, okay, now where is my area going? How does it connect to the industry as a whole? How does it connect to the political system? How does it connect to our, you know, what's going on in our world? Uh, so we need to take these really big approaches to have innovation and big thinking. Oh, so two things, one for you, Ellen, and then one for our listeners. So first, let me say, Ellen, that was so beautifully articulated and rendered and made it accessible as to what the problem, the, the disconnect is for women. So I thank you very much for that incredible point. Um, and then for you listeners, ladies, you you got this. You can learn to do this, but it is, you know, you need a systematic approach to learn how to think strategically. And I think Ellen just laid it out beautifully for you. But I want to I empower you that you can do that, and I want you to do that. So thank you, Ellen. That was gorgeous. Worth, worth the admission price, whatever that was. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Right. Um, all right. So also, too, another thing that you talked about in, in an article is the, the need for women to seek regular feedback to leverage behavior that is working and change what isn't. So uh, a feedback campaign of sorts. Say more about what makes for effective feedback solicitation. Well, what we find is that women often get uh, positive feedback, a lot of positive feedback, um, but they don't get constructive feedback. Mm. There's some sort of element of hesitation uh, in giving constructive feedback. So we know that that's how people grow. And that's how people kind of understand their blind spots and and know to navigate that next level of whatever they need to do to get to the position they want. So feedback is key. So then how do you do it? You need to, and we spend a lot of time talking about giving and receiving feedback. So it's hard to get feedback. It's really hard. And so being able to identify what happens to your hijacked brain as somebody is telling you something you might not really want to hear um, or it's altered to what your belief system is, um, it's how do you really receive it so that you can use it and, and make yourself better for it or not use it if you choose not to. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I would just say to that really quick, and then I got to cut to a quick break here. But you know what I would just present for our listeners is um, Olivia was asking on, online, "What do you say the hesitation is for women?" And I think she means about asking for feedback. What I found is that when I lived in Spain and Brazil, and I was learning to speak Spanish in Spain and Portuguese in Brazil, you know, you're putting yourself out there, and you're you you know you're on display, and you, it can be uncomfortable. However, when I made it, when I told people, "Tell me when I make a mistake. Correct me as I go along." Um, it it made them easier for the for them to be constructive because I asked for it. I put it right out there, exactly. and right. And so I, I want to give that as an example: is if you put this out there and make it part of your everyday vernacular, it's easier for people to wait and say, you know what, that presentation just didn't go that well. It wasn't smooth. Didn't get your point. You didn't bring it home. Whatever it is, right? And because you asked for it, it should be a little softer on that hijacking, as you were saying. Exactly. Exactly. And lastly, when you start to get feedback regularly, it softens the hijack. Yeah, you get used to it. Uh, You get used to it. Great. And with that, let's take our last break here. I'm Dr. Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Dr. Ellen Keithline Byrne, an executive coach, social scientist, and leader who develops people to be mindful, courageous, and innovative so they can thrive in their roles. She is the co-founder of her her new standard, The Playbook for Women Leaders, a leadership consultancy focused on developing women leaders. She joined today from the New York City area. After the break, we're going to hear more about their approach to developing leaders. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Dr. Ellen Keithline Byrne, an executive coach, social scientist, and leader who develops people to be mindful, courageous, and innovative so they can thrive in their roles. She's a contributing author to Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and Mindful.org. She is the co-founder of Her New Standard. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. So for this last segment, Ellen, I really wanted to present for our listeners your particular approach to developing leaders. So you've developed a, um, a framework and 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 really a methodology to this. And I want to help our listeners understand this so that it can be distinguished. So um, first, I guess I would ask just how would you distinguish your approach from that of other professionals or providers that you know of? Well, it's quite different. It's very high touch. Uh, It's based on research and our own decades of experience. We saw this one leadership uh, research process that was identified by Robin Ely and then two others, Deborah Kolb and Hermenia Ibera. All three are very famous, Mm -hmm. well-known researchers in the area. And they identified this need for identifying leadership. 
leadership identity. And so when you can start to really find ways to develop that, it's powerful. So what we did was we said, all right, there are elements that help to change behaviors. We always see in most of the programs that I see in many organizations, they have wonderful full day conferences that are very exciting and stimulating. But behaviors don't necessarily change. You leave at the end of the day inspired and you think, look at all these fabulous women doing these amazing, this amazing work. But what about me? And how does this relate to me? So we do very individualized, high-touch, cohort-based programs. And what I mean by that is it's the six-month boot camp, which has many elements, including executive coaching, 360 assessment and two other assessments, peer coaching, and skill building sessions. And it's designed for very busy women. So we looked at, okay, we want to target this mid-level women. women. How do we do this? We need to make something that they can actually do because nobody, you know, everybody's overstretched as it is. So how can we create something that has real impact that actually changes behaviors and we measure before and after and they're excited and wanting and engaged. So what we did was we have a, a program where it has three full day learning sessions. One is a full day the first month, one the third month and then the sixth month and then the others are all virtual. They're two hour sessions of the um, second, third, and fifth month, and we have learning online through Zoom. The executive coaching is done through Zoom, as well as the peer groups. And so when we start to look at what is happening for these women, we say that um, come to the course. They're usually, they're all identified within a company. I'll give you an example. A large financial institution is sending seven women. Um, they have identified them. They're all executive directors. They're all high potentials. Um, they have some staff, but they're, they know that at some point in time they want to promote these folks. So what they're doing is they sent us, uh, these women and they're viewed as being really like, this is a big deal that they're coming to our HNS accelerate program. They identify, after they look at their 360 with a coach, they identify one behavioral shift that would have the biggest impact on their leadership development. So I'll give you a for instance. It could be related to confidence. I want to feel confident stepping up and and speaking in leadership meetings and feeling comfortable having one-on-ones with my my higher-ups. It can be as simple, really being clear on my leadership brand and articulate. So when they identify something that's individualized like that and can work with a coach over the six months, they're able to really feel like, oh, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. Every month, they're challenged by their peer group, challenged by their coach. Um, to try something new on. So by the time six months happens, so far every single one of our women have had some significant changes in their behaviors and they're really proud of how they show up. Mm. Now that 
sit on a high level. I'd love okay. to tell you a little bit more about some of the, the specifics of what they learn. Because in six months, you can only cover so much. Right. Go for right. it. Yeah. Go for it. Right? Keep so it, what, are the key, what are the key things that, that people need to know? Well, we start with really looking at um, self-awareness. Looking at who are you? What do you want in your, like, who are you now? We, saw, we call it your current leader self. And who do you want to become in 10 years? What, what do you want your life to look like at that stage? And then what are the things that are getting in your way of getting from, from here to there? So that's pretty practical. The next step is, what do I do really well? What are those strengths? What are those passions? What are those blind spots that I have heard in my 360? Um, for any of you who that might not know what a 360 is, a 360 is when there's a number of different colleagues, and we usually ask 10 colleagues to fill out a survey about this individual, and they're very focused on women's competencies, and what, did this, what does this person do really well, and what, would the, what could they do better to really become the best leader? So we get this data at the beginning of the program, and it's rich. So women can start to see, oh, this is how I need to start to shift my behaviors. After we, we take a deep look at, at who they really are, we start to talk a lot about the mindset. Um, I'm very researched. My research study was on, 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 my, on the mind and creativity and mindfulness. And how can we start to rewire our mind to be more productive, to really help us instead of having the automatic pilot kick in and keep us held back? Sounds yummy to me, Ellen, and I resonate with a lot of what what, you, what you're offering there. And I, what's great about what you did there is for people that are like, well, what is that? What what do you do in a leadership program? It sounds kind of soft and squishy. That's not soft and squishy at all. That's hard work. So nicely, nicely narrated. Thank you. It is soft, and it, it does sound like it could be soft and squishy. But the thing is, all of a sudden, you start to see it more clearly. And then when we start to talk about strategic relationship building. Like, how do you navigate having conversations with senior level people? Mm -hmm. Who else, who in your organization is important for you to network with? Then you understand who you are, your leadership brand, when you're showing up and talking to these folks. Mm -hmm. That inner critic that might say, oh, I'm not smart enough to talk to that person. They went to some fancy school. Right. Um, so you can start to identify, oh, this is kicking in for me. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how this is holding me back. Uh, it's great. Um, and here we are. We're getting close to the end of the hour. Ellen, I want to ask you at least two more questions before we go. So I'm going to take you to the next question. That was great. Um, you mentioned at the top of the show, and I want to say more about it here, that your programs involve only women in order to give women more access to their authenticity so they can venture more deeply into their purpose. Of course, you know that lands perfectly for me. Well, tell us more about that and how that works. Well, as I alluded to earlier, um, the research has identified that especially at this stage within a woman's development within her career, it's important to have women only in the program. Um, they, they develop much more ability to be vulnerable and step out of their comfort zones and try on new leadership identities. 
So it happens much faster mm-hmm. than if they were in a, you know, a dual sexed group. Yes. I've seen that too in my programs when it's only women. The difference is what I found is that if it's only women, we get to things really much more quickly and more deeply and there's the emotional sphere can be fully engaged, which means women will allow themselves to be moved to tears or to get moved if they're dealing with something to tears, which is you know, growth oftentimes, and and certainly something that registers. But with men, that happens far less deeply and far less frequently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this. I have two more questions that I've got time for. So I, this is always fun for me because, especially on the heels of the of the strategic stuff, but the vision questions. So, Ellen, paint for us a picture. Of, and share your vision of what the world looks like when you and other professionals like us develop more women leaders and increase their parity with men. What does that look like? Well, when we have more diversity of thought at the top of whether it's our government, our our organizations, our societies at whole, I really see it being so much more innovative, happier workplaces, cultures where people are really thriving and there's a moral code that drives our behaviors overall it leads to just a happier place to be i see the same thing yes yes i see the same thing and and i think it also reduces the 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 fear there's a lot of fear that exists in the in the workplace today and i'm not blaming that on men but i think there's a way to orient away from that um, so I, I think that will that makes such a difference when we can actually work from a collaborative, innovative way than maybe where we're competing against each other. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So, okay, I do have time for one more question here. So um, I wanted to go back to this before and I skipped over because we were kind of running out of time, but it, it's the negotiation question. Mm-hmm. So you had said um, that one of the things that you'd like to be able to help women with is help them develop their abilities to negotiate. Can you just quickly speak to that, how you do that? Sure, yeah. Um, well, so, okay, women often don't know they're in a negotiation. That's the <laughs> That's biggest fair. problem. Right. They, they, they don't, men have more practice at negotiation um, because it's subtle. It's not just when you're going for a job interview. There are always opportunities for negotiation. So being super aware, I'm just going to say that's the number one thing. Be super aware that actually this is an opportunity for me to negotiate more time off or more help on that particular project. So you say, yes, and um, yes, I'll take on that project if I can have, you know, an extra, you know, assistant or whatever. So it's to be very clear about what you're walking into. I think that's fantastic. And I think just what you said about we didn't not recognizing that we're actually in a negotiation is very powerful. So be more alert to that. So at the here we are at the end of the show already, Ellen. I, I do like to give my guests the last word uh, whenever I possibly can. So you know this program is intended to help people across the world develop more meaning, passion, inspiration, and purpose across their lives and in their work. What would you like to leave our listeners with today? I'd like to leave them with take the time to step out of your incredibly busy lives and reflect on what you really want. What is your purpose? What matters most to you in your life? 
And what is getting in your way of you getting there? Become mindful about your actions. Because when we can make our our actions conscious and get out of autopilot, we can really live a much fuller life. What a beautiful way to finish, Dr. Keithline Byrne. What a beautiful way. I mean, I appreciate so much your passion, your inspiration, your competency, your talent. Thank you for sharing it with us today. Thank you for having me, Elise. You're so welcome. Listeners, if you want to learn more about Dr. Ellen Keithline Byrne and the work she and her team do at to develop women leaders, go to hernewstandard.com. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch a recorded podcast. We were on the air with Tom Holsey, who shared his journey of combating and conquering prostate cancer and how doing so ushered in his passion to serve as a philanthropist to others living with cancer. Incredibly inspiring and really reinforces the power of self-transcendence to keep keeping on because you want to be around for those you love. Next week, we'll be on the air with Jinya Huang, who I personally saw present her TEDx talk at SMU. Um, on her social enterprise called Break Bread, Break Borders. We didn't tell you here how she came up with this idea and how thoughtfully she had stitched the concept of thread across several critical parts of her identity to make the world a better and more connected place. See you there. Remember that work is at least one third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. <laughs>